Just to review, we're up to Daf Ches Amid Beis Kiman, three lines from the bottom. Let me review. We're going to say in today's Daf, we're going to talk about the fact that we know that when a woman brings in a get, she says, Now, that while it is a stringency, it's actually a tremendous leniency. It's to help her, it's that if the husband is ma'arer, if the husband questions it, we believe her. We don't, we don't, uh, we don't question the validity of the signatures. So the Mishnah is going to say in today's daf, when a non-Jewish slave brings an emancipation document, so you give a non-Jewish slave um, a star, shikhrer, that he's free, and you say deliver it to Bezdin, when he brings it, he also has to say, but that's a leniency because that makes it that if someone questions the authenticity of the document, we believe him. Okay. So we talked about yesterday, what happens if you have a document that in the document it says, you're free, and you get all my nechassim. Both statements. Okay? So if you have those both statements being said, then someone questions the validity of, let's say, the document. So he's believed regarding his freedom, because that's a special leniency, a special dispensation is extended for his freedom, but not for the, for the nechassim. If, if someone says, you're free and you get all my land then the land part is like any other document, so if it's questioned, you need to bring two witnesses. The question the Gemara had, and this is a machleikas, a bayin rava, what happens if instead of saying two statements, the document just says, the lush of the document is, um, the document just says, everything I own belongs to this slave. Now included in that is the slave himself. So in other words, that's one statement, freeing the slave and giving him everything, giving him everything that's owned. So the, and, and now someone questions it, so, and he can't prove the signatures are correct. So the question is, what do you do? So Abaya says, uh, it's all or nothing. It's, at first he said, entirely he's believed and he gets the nechassim, and then Rav said no, and then he says fine, he doesn't get anything, but it's all or nothing, it's one statement, you can't split it up. Rav said no. It's called palginan dibura, which is we split the statement in half. The statement, although it says all of the nechassim belong to you, we look at it as two different statements. You are free, and the nechassim don't belong to you, so we start, it's called palginan dibura. Fine. So today's daf, that's what we're going to pick up. Today's daf is going to be dealing with the following problem. Palgin and Dibura is a premise, it's a concept. It's not like Rav made up this concept. It's an opinion of the Tanoim. The problem is that the one who says Palgin and Dibura, again, whatever, it's, it's, it, I, I don't know what the Makaris are for, but they feel there's such a musik of Palgin and Dibura. The problem is, the one who says Palgin and Dibura is Rav Shimon. Okay? As we're going to see right now in a moment. Rav Meir seems to disagree with Rav Shimon, and we seem to paskin like Rav Meir. So how could Rava say Palgin and Dibura, which is like Rav Shimon, when we seem to paskin not like Rav Shimon, that we don't say Palgin and Dibura? So it's just a practical problem that Rava is paskining like the wrong Tana. Because we don't paskin like Rav Shimon, we paskin like Rav Meir, and Rav Meir seemingly holds that we don't say Palgin and Dibura. That's the Gemara Shailas we're going to see right now. The Gemara says, Kiman, Rava, Kiman, Rava, you who says Palgin and Dibura, who are you following Rav Shimon? Dumber Palgin and Dibura. Rav Shimon's opinion is the one who says Palgin and Dibura in this context. And the problem is, we're going to see in, in, in a few lines, we don't pass on like Rav Shimon. What's Rav Shimon's opinion? Dit not. The Mishnah says as follows. Hakoisiv kol nechosav la'avdoi. So let's say you have a non-Jewish slave and you write, 
he owns everything I own. I'm giving over all of my all of my possessions to him. So the halacha is Yatsa ben Chayrin. He goes free. Why? Because he is included in the Nechasim. So if you are saying he gets everything, that's another way of saying he's free. So far, so good. Shayer Karka Kol Lo Yatsa ben Chayrin. Rav Meir, who is the author of this first opinion, Tanakam is Rav Meir. Rav Meir feels that let's say you write a document and you say to the to the slave, you own everything except for one plot of land. So what would you say? I would say he owns everything except for one plot of land. Ramirez says no. Once you say that he owns everything except for one plot of land, we're afraid that maybe if he's already withholding a plot of land, maybe he's withholding the slave himself. And maybe he doesn't intend to free the slave. So why is he doing this? Because he wants to be good optics. He wants the slave to like him. So he gives him this fancy paper that has, has meaningless. So according to the mayor, if he says, you get everything except for a plot of land, that plot of land, he even identifies it, that plot of land, you'd think that he gets everything except, no, the answer is he gets nothing. He doesn't go free and he doesn't get any land. Why? Because the halacha is he's a slave, a slave mashakana avde kana rabbi. He can't acquire anything. He only acquires something if he's free. Once you say he's not free, because we're afraid that he was also with, once he's withholding a plot of land, maybe he's withholding something else. So Rav Meir says, no good. Okay, that's Rav Meir. Rav Shimon comes into play, and Rav Shimon Oimer, lo'ilam hu ben chayrin. Rav Shimon says, no, that, that you're free. If you withhold a plot of land, you're free. That's fine, because. What's the concern that if you withheld a plot of land, you also withheld the slave? Who said? Why, why should you assume that? No, no, you're free. Unless the guy says, all of my nechassim go to this slave except for one one thousandth. Meaning, a plot of land is not clearly not the slave. But if you say one one thousandth of my nechassim, that means a smaller amount, and that could be the slave yourself. Meaning, that legitimately could indicate the slave. Like, if you say, the slave gets everything except for a plot of land, why would I think that the slave is also included? A plot of land. He's not a plot of land. But if I say, the slave gets everything except for um, 0.2% of my assets, he could be 2.2%. Okay. So what do you see from Rav Shimon? Rav Shimon says that in the first case, the slave goes free. So let me, let me talk about the case, because this is important. Rashi says, there's two different cases. I say to the slave, you, go, you get everything except for that plot of land, and I identify it. What's the halacha? According to Shimon, he's free, and he gets everything except for that plot of land. What if I say, you're free except for one plot of land, but I don't identify it. Then Rav Shimon says, you're free. You're still free, but you don't get any land, because each land might be the plot that he's withholding. We don't know which one. In that second case, and that's the main focus, Rav Shimon in that second case is a machlekes of Shimon Rameir. The case is, I say to the slave, you're free except for, one, you get everything except for one plot of land. I don't identify which one. So Rameir says, no good. Rav Shimon says, he's free. He doesn't get any land, but he's free. So it's one statement, and I said, you get everything except for one plot of land. And what does Rav Shimon do? He cuts it in half. And he says, you're free, you don't get land. That's called Palgin and Dibura. This is how Rav Shimon holds, not like Rav Meir, the Rav Shimon holds of Palgin and Dibura. Because again, it was one statement. I said to the slave, you get everything except for one plot of land. I didn't identify the plot of land, so Rav Shimon says, you're free, but you don't get any land. That's called Palgin and Dibura. So you have a machloikis seemingly between Rav Shimon and Rav Meir, whether you say Palgin and Dibura. And how do we paskin? Even though Rav Yossi praised Rav Shimon's opinion that you say Palgin and Dibura, halachik Rav Meir. 
The halacha follows from Meir. The Tanya, Kishenemru Dvarm Lefnei Rav Yossi, Karla Hamikraze, when they told Rav Yossi about these opinions, he said, Sifasayim Yishak Mevin Dvarm Nechoychem. That the Pasuk says, let me just uh, translate this properly, this uh, Pasuk, the Pasuk says, where is this Pasuk? This is in Mishlei. The Pasuk says, Sifasayim Yishak Lips shall kiss he who responds with correct opinions. So when Rav Yossi heard Rav Meir's opinion, that's what he said, that he called it correct. Fine. So here's the question. Rava said Palgin and Dibura, which is Rav Shimon's opinion. Seemingly not Rav Meir's opinion. We don't pass like Rav Shimon. So, so Palgin and Dibura, and Rava said like Rav Shimon, but we don't pass like Rav Shimon. We pass like Rav Meir. And Rav Meir said in that exact case, what was the case? I say to the slave, you get your, everything belongs to you except for one plot of land. Rav Shimon cuts it in half and says, you're free, but you don't get the land. And Rav Meir says, you get nothing. Why? Loi Palgin and Dibura. We pass him like Rav Meir. So how could Rav say Palgin and Dibura, which is like Rav Shimon, if we pass him like Rav Meir? So you should say Loi Palgin and Dibura. So, the, so that's the Gemara's kasha. Now the Gemara says like this, wait a minute. You're telling me we pass him like Rav Meir. That's universally accepted. This is a transitive property, right? You tell me we pass him like Rav Meir, that's A. You tell me Rav Meir does not hold the Palgin and Dibura, that's B. Which means we don't pass him like Palgin and Dibura. That's the problem. The problem is, we do pass him like it's Palgin and Dibura. That's a problem. Meaning, meaning Rav said Palgin and Dibura. Fine, put that aside for a second. The kasha is Palgin and Dibura seems to be a machloikas or Meir and Rav Shimon. The Rav Shimon's into it, Rav Meir's not. We pass like Rav Meir, so seemingly not into it. The problem is we pass in Palgin and Dibura. So uh, that's a problem. So the Gemara says, wait a minute. Did Rav Nachman say that we don't say Palgin and Dibura? said the following. There's a concept called a shchiv mirah. A shchiv mirah means that if someone is on their deathbed and they write all their nechassim to a certain person, so they're on their deathbed, not, not some of the nechassim, all of them. They get rid of all of their assets and then they get better. The halacha is, it, it doesn't count. Why? Because the fact that they gave away all of their assets indicates that they were only doing because they thought they were going to die. The very fact that they survived indicates that that was never their intention. Now, if they did part of it, then it might be like any other transaction. They wanted to give part of it away. But if a person on his deathbed writes a star and says, I am giving all of my assets to John, and then he gets better, not chal. Okay? That's, that's called the shchiv mirah. That, that's the halach of a shchiv mirah. The halach is like this. Shchiv mirah shekol of kosav kol nechosav la'avdoi v'omad. You have a, a person who's on his deathbed. He writes in the document, I want all of my assets to go to my slave. Which again, means two things. It means he's free, and he, mean, he means he gets all the assets. Then the guy got better. So what do you say? So the assets don't go to the slave anymore. But the slave is free. Oh, because Palgin and Dibura, we split it up and we say, regarding the assets, it's not a good gift. But regarding the freedom, it is. That's an example of Palgin and Dibura. The Gemara says, He got better. The assets do not go to that person. But the slave is free. And the Gemara explains, The reason why the assets are not delivered to the person in the shtar, Because it's a man I'm sorry, Because it's considered this status of a deathbed uh, transaction. Which if the person gets better, it doesn't take effect. But he's still free. Why? Because he's already perceived as a free man. We're going to make him free. Meaning, you have one statement, 
And for the documents, it's not considered a transaction, but for the freedom, it is. That's an example of Palgin and Dibura. So basically, you have a bit of a mix, a bit of a mess over here. Meaning he was caught. People thought he was free for a short period of time. Who says for one second? They gave him the star in January and he got better in May. Could be six months. Because, 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 because nobody knows who owns stuff, but they know if the guy starts davening with a minion. The guy starts davening with a minion. People thought he was Jewish. The point is, you split it in half and you say that for one thing it works, for another thing it doesn't work. So here, basically, we have a bit of a mess here. Here's the mess. Rava says Palgin and Dibura, which is like Rav Shimon, which is seemingly not like Rav Meir. Okay, so you say, well, so Rav is wrong. The problem is, we say Palgin and Dibura. So in other words, we say Palgin and Dibura because that's what Rav said, that's what Rav Nachman said, that's what Rav Shimon said. But the problem is we him like Rav Meir. What did Rav Meir say again? Rav Meir said that if a person says to an Evan, you own everything except for one plot of land, he gets nothing. Why don't you split it in half and say he doesn't get the land, but he gets... So, so if we say Palgini Dibura, then how do we pass it like Rav Meir? Again, Rav Shimon says Palgini Dibura, Meir disagrees with him. Seemingly, it's because Rav Meir doesn't believe in Palgini Dibura, but we pass him like Palgini Dibura. So how do you reconcile all this? So the Gemara says, The answer is, Rav Meir believes in Palgini Dibura. In general, Rav Meir believes in Palgini Dibura. Why is his case different? What was his case again? I go to a slave and I write, I'm giving you everything except for a plot of land. The halacha is no good. Why? Why don't you say Palgin and Dibura and say, don't give him the land, but give him his freedom. The answer is, Rav Meir believes in Palgin and Dibura. Rav Meir just believes that an emancipation document, as we're going to see, is treated like a divorce. It has to be unequivocal. If you give a woman a divorce and say, on condition that that you, you, can't, uh, you can't marry five people. What's the halach? It's not a divorce. Divorce means severance. It has to be creases, clear, cut. If you write a document to a slave and there is any amount of ambiguity of whether he's free, it's not a good document. Therefore, it's not a matter of Palgini Dibura. He believes in Palgini Dibura. But it, it's, it's not like you... you, you what, what, what's the case of here? You wrote to the slave, I'm giving you everything. You never said he's free. I'm giving you everything except for a plot of land. I'm supposed to figure that out. Well, he's included in everything. Yeah, but he didn't give him a plot of land. Once he's withholding some stuff, it's not Croesus. It's like giving a woman a divorce by saying, you know, we're, we're not connected, but you can't marry five people. Well, there's ambiguity. There's, un, it, it, there's a level of connection. No good. So really, Rav Meir believes in Palgin and Dibura, but his issue is not a lack of Palgin and Dibura. His issue is that when you give a, a, a slave in emancipation, and the only way to tell that he's free is because you said all of Nechassim, but then you said except for some, I'm unclear now. Once there's a lack of, a lack of clarity, it's not an emancipation so document. Really he, he does, yeah. He's got a problem with Palgin and Dibura in general. Just this case he doesn't like. Except for this case. No, not other cases. This case specifically, you never said he's free. I'm supposed to figure out his freedom by a deduction, but it's lack of clarity. No good. Meaning it, it's not... So he's Palgin and Dibur would be the case of Reb Nachman. I'll give you all my Nechassim. Yeah. And not specify except for something. Like, exactly. Or, or Reb Nachman's case, which is a, a, someone on the deathbed writes to the slave, you get all of my Nechassim. And then the guy gets better. So that's Palginan. We'll say that doesn't get the Nechassim, 
but gets freedom. Because over there, at least it was clear, all of my nechassim. And the point is, it, it's not a matter, he's into Palgin and he just doesn't like the emancipation, it has to be clear. That's the point. Um, Again, I in the example of Dibura, Rabbi Nachman's case, Shchiv Meira, which was a person on his deathbed writes a document to the slave and says, "You get everything," right. and then he gets better. So the document part doesn't work. This, the the property doesn't work because it's a Shchiv Meira, but he's still free because Paul Gina Dibura. That's an example of one statement being split in half halachically. And there's no issue. And Rabbi Meir's cool with that. Rabbi Meir just doesn't like this case because it's not clear. The freedom is not clear. Okay. So the Mishnah then said that let's say you bring a get, uh, you bring a, a get in Eretz Yisrael. So you don't say Befani Nechta, Befani Nechtam. Okay. And let's say people question the validity of the get, right? Because that's, that's always the concern. You don't have to say Befani Nechta, but now you're a little more vulnerable. Someone questions the validity of the document, so she has to bring witnesses to prove that the signatures are legit. Okay. That means that someone questions it, she brings in proof, and we believe her. Who's questioning it? Is it a single witness? Is it two witnesses? So the Gemara says, Irkama, how many people are questioning it? Well, just say one guy, random dude gets up, not the husband, but a random guy gets up, and he's like, I, don't, I think that's fake. I think that's a false document. Here's the problem. The halacha is we don't listen to a single guy. If a single guy just gets up and he's like, I think that's a fake guy. We're like, it, we, no one asked you. We don't know who you are. You, you don't have any power. It's not like you would know. It's not like you wrote it. You're not the husband. You're just a random guy. So we don't believe you. We, don't believe it. we only believe if it's two witnesses. So let's say, okay, it's two witnesses come forward. Okay, two witnesses come forward and say, that's a fake document. Here's the problem. So what do we say? What do the Mishnah say? If two witnesses, let's say, let's go with that. Let's play, let's play devil's advocate. We'll go with that case. Two witnesses come forward and say that the document is falsified. So what does she do? She brings in two witnesses to prove that it's legit. And then we believe her. Why? It's two against two. If it's Taka two witnesses that say that it's false, and then she brings in two witnesses of her own, why do we believe her two? It's two against two. It should, I, I don't know. Believe the first two. I don't, why do you automatically believe the second two? So Gemara says, Treva Treininu, that it's two against two. My chaz is the Samech Zahani, Samech Why do you believe the second two more than the first two? Rather, the. Yeah, but then you have a, then you have a chazaka, then you have a woman who's chazkas married, right? Meaning, no, she's she, divorced. No, but she, based on, only, only, she's only divorced based on this document. She's divorced based on this document, right? And then, and then if you question the validity of the document, you go, pull pull up a chair, you go, oh, you're good. Yeah. She's only, she's only free because of this document. The chazka is that she's married. So you're going to say that she's, she's free because of the document, but now they're questioning the document. If you have two against two. Yeah, then someone's saying the document is good. It's interesting. It happens to me when I did this Gemara, I was if thinking... If they get, she's divorced. Like the Chutzak is now, she's divorced. And someone else comes later and says, that's not a good get, six months later. The is, she's not married. It's interesting. I guess you go with... The Gemara is obviously assuming that you don't go with the Chutzak. That's interesting. Like, is this all happening while they're giving the get? That, then it makes sense, the Chutzak is she's married. But if it's after the fact... It's interesting, Kasha. She wants three months later. Yeah. Yeah, Tysus says what I was saying. Tyson says what I was saying is that because the document is now in question because it's two against two and they cancel each other out, you go back to her status as a married woman, which is a chazaka that she's married. Mm-hmm. Meaning, the, what all, the first, correct, the only thing that removes the chazaka is this get, and because this get is now in question, 
she goes back to her reverted status as a married woman, she needs another get. So the Gemara is saying, so why is it that you believe the second set of witnesses? If it's two against two, it shouldn't be. So the answer is, the case is where it's not two against two. She brings the document, doesn't say because she's in Israel. The husband questions it. He's a single witness, but he's the husband, so we, we, we take it into account. She brings in two witnesses. Her two witnesses beat his. Two beats one. That's, that's the Gemara's case. And who made this get? Well, I mean, he, he, I mean, the husband claims it wasn't written so, by him. So, so she's I mean, that he did it. Well, yeah, he, because he changed his mind. Or no, or or, or he's an unscrupulous guy. That's what she's saying. Right. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's just saying that he's trying to mess me up. Yeah, yeah. Which I unfortunately I believe is I could see someone doing that. Yeah. So the okay, new Mishnah. The Mishnah is now going to introduce us to a concept that we've been talking about for a few days, and that is if a non-Jewish slave brings an emancipation. His emancipation document is treated like a get in, in certain areas, and he has to say, So if you give a shliach to deliver the emancipation document, or if you give the slave the emancipation document and say, it'll take effect when, 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 when you come to Bezdin, whatever, then he has to say, The Mishnah says, We already had this before. If, not, if a, a person delivers a get, Right, so the halacha is that if a shliach delivers a get from outside of Israel to Israel, the shliach has to say, I was present for the signing, I was present for the writing. So the Mishnah says, Let's say he can't say it, he can't speak. He lost his ability to speak. We'll see exactly what the case is. So he can't say, So how do you replace that? Just get witnesses, procure witnesses to prove that the signatures are legit. Okay, then the Mishnah introduces the concept that we had before, which is an emancipation document. You have to say, Both divorce documents and emancipation documents, they have to say, And this is one of the, as the Gemara is going to say, one of the three examples that a divorce document is treated the same as an emancipation document. They're, they're same in three ways. Okay, now, before we get to the emancipation document, let's just quickly address what we've already had before, which is, it says that if I deliver a get and I cannot say b'faninechta, b'faninechta, what do you mean, why can't I talk? So you're going to say you're a deaf mute. If you're deaf mute, you can't deliver the get anyway. So the Gemara says, my What does it mean he can't speak? Let's say he's a deaf mute. He can't speak. Then how is he delivering a get? The Mishnah says, Anyone can be a messenger to bring a get. Except for a cheirish shaita bekadon, so a cheirish is not allowed to deliver the getza. What's the case? Am Rav Yisef, how come I askin on kachin nasul shupi keach for his bekloim for nechem v'nechlam achin is cheirish? The case is that he was healthy and he hands over the get to her, and then right before he says it, he gets hit by a car and he can't. He loses ability to speak. So that's the case. So when he delivered it, he was a hundred percent healthy, and then before he said it, he became a cheirish. Okay. That's obviously it's listen it's a, it's a it's an out there case but that's that's what the halacha would be. But, but at the point was that when he was going to say it, he became a cherish, so therefore he has no das at that moment. Yeah, but so what? That's the point. Correct, and that's why you get witnesses to to validate the document. But he's a good shliach because at the time where he delivered it, he was healthy. Okay, now Tanur Abanan, this Bryce is what we're going to be dealing with until the end of the Ahmed. The Brisa says, in three specific ways. Now, it doesn't say what they are. We'll get to what they are. But in three ways, 
in three ways, divorce documents are treated the same as an emancipation document of a non-Jewish slave. In three ways. Now, by the way, notice, it says three and then it lists three. Now, if you just list three, I could count. Why does it say three? It's to tell you three to the exclusion of something else. So, there are three ways that they're the same. How so? Let's go through each one. Number one, they're the same regarding saying Both a shliach who delivers a get and a shliach who delivers an emancipation document has to say, I was present for the writing and the signing. Okay. And why? Because we had two reasons, either because Rabbah's reason that, that uh, they, they, outside of Israel they were not particular with writing it lishma, or Rabbah's reason because we're afraid that they're not going to be able to find, uh, find witnesses. And it's going to be, and she'll become an aguna and he'll become a, his own aguna, which is, uh, he's Jewish, but people think he's still a slave. So, therefore, in order to have Rachmanis, let him just say that, and therefore, we will no longer question the validity of the document. That's the first one. Number two, Kutim were a, were a group of people that were brought in by Sancheriv. They converted, but they converted out of duress because there were lions attacking people. It's a shaila in the Tanoyim, whether Kutim are Jews or not. The assumption of this Gemara, the Gemara will analyze this, the assumption is that they're Jewish, but they just did not keep the oral Torah. But they were Jewish. The Allah is that if a Kuti signs a document, he's puzzle as an aide, except Gitin, and uh, except for divorce documents and emancipation documents. They could serve as witnesses for those. Okay? That's halacha number two of how it's similar. And the last one is, V'chol hashtaris, go to the next page, Ha'oylem be'erkois shaloydikichavim, Okay, you go to a court, yeah? The courts write up that you owe, uh, this Jewish person owes that Jewish person $100, signed by the court's uh, DA, whatever, Goyim, Goyim sign it. You go to, do I have to listen to that? The Goyim, whatever, the halach is yes. Dina de Malchusa Dina, Rashi says, which means that we allow, we listen to the law of the land, and a document that is written up in a non-Jewish court, even if the signees, the signatures of the witnesses, are Goyim, you have to, you have to keep to it, except for divorces and emancipations. Meaning, if the New York government writes up a divorce between Avram and Sarah, signed by Goyim, that's not a divorce. They're not able to make a divorce. They're not included in Kedushin, and therefore, when it comes to money, we give them, we recognize their power, but not when it comes to getting in Kedushin, and not when it comes to emancipation of slaves. So that's the third area that emancipation and, and getting are the same, and that is, if there's a non-Jew who signs it, it is puzzle. Okay. Kedivre Rav Meir, that's three ways that they're the same. Rav Meir adds a fourth. Ba'arba, Rav Meir adds a fourth of how getting and emancipation documents are the same. His fourth is, Okay, what this means is like this. I give you a, a, a document, I give you a document that says, I owe, I'm giving you as a gift $10 million. And I say, can you deliver it? I hand it to you. And then as you're walking, I'm like, no, 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 I take it back, I take it back, I take it back. The halach is, you can't. Why? Because although you're a shliach, that you, you, when I give it to you, you're going to acquire it on his behalf. Meaning, you're going to do an act. That act of acquisition makes it his. Why? Jay never said, you never asked Jay, maybe Jay doesn't want $10 million. The answer is, why wouldn't you? It doesn't, of course. It's called Zachin La'adam Shalei Bifanov, which means that if, if 
if this thing is just a win-win for you, it doesn't hurt you at all, you could do it on someone's behalf. But the halacha is a divorce is not like that. Right? If you if you send a divorce, if I give you a divorce to deliver to a certain woman, and then as you're going, I'm like, no, no, I take it back, take it back, take it back. The halacha is I could take it back. Why? Why don't you say that the second I hand it to you, it's automatically a divorce? The answer is because it's not necessarily it's detrimental to the woman, potentially. It depends. It's the point, it could be good, it could be bad, depending on the marriage, but it's not hundred percent clear. And because it could be detrimental. It's, you can't say the same thing with a, an emancipation document. We don't know if a non-Jew would rather be a slave or rather be a free Jewish man. So if I give you an emancipation document according to a mayor and I say, hey, deliver it to him, and then as you're walking, I say, I want it back, I want it back, I want it back, by a divorce and by an emancipation, I can get it back. Because we don't know whether it's advantageous for the person to get it, so you can't necessarily have them in mind. It's called that it could be a chayv, and therefore it's not automatic. So you can always retract, meaning it's, when you give it to the shliach, it doesn't automatically take place until he delivers it. That's our mayor's opinion. So our mayor is adding a fourth case that divorce and emancipation are similar in that regard. Okay, now this is what the Gemara is going to deal with until the end of the Ahmed. The Mishnah listed, the Brisa listed three ways that divorce documents and emancipation documents are the same. And instead of just listing three, it says, B'shloisha drachem. Three ways, and then it said what the three ways are. Why do you have to say the number? Just list, I'll count. It means to tell you three as opposed to something else. So what is it opposed to? So the Gemara says, The Rabbana is very simple. Rav Meir added a fourth, the case of the Shliach, sending it and being able to retract. So when it said three, it was to the, it was to the point to the exclusion of Rav Meir. The problem is, according to Rav Meir, that he adds a fourth, and he says, in four ways, in what way is it not? Meaning, he listed four, and then he said four, which means, to the exclusion of what? That there's some area that's debatable that he wants to say they're not similar. This is the way they're similar, to the exclusion of what? So the Gemara says, According to Rameyer, they're similar in four ways. What's a way where they're not similar? So the Gemara says, Okay, the following case. It's interesting. You, have, uh, you want to have two witnesses sign a document, but they don't know how to read and write. They don't know how to write. So you'll say, well, they can't. This is what Chazal did. Chazal did the following thing, and this is seemingly for a divorce and emancipation. This is how they're similar. They'll etch out, they'll cut, they'll scratch, they'll take like a scalpel on the document. And let's say the guy's name is Avi, so they'll Aleph, Bez, Yud, Ben. And he just has to tank ink and fill the, fill the holes. That was what Chazal did as a, as a leniency to make it easy to find, it's, you want to find witnesses easily. So that was a certain leniency that they did. Um, you rip the paper, and they fill up the paper like Etch-a-Sketch. You do the outline and they just fill it in. That's for a divorce and for an emancipation included in other documents. By the way, that's what Rav Meir comes to disagree by. Rav Meir's point is, in these ways, they're the same. Four ways. I disagree with that. I, I don't believe that that's true. You, you, can't, you can't do that for a divorce and emancipation. I disagree. He's disagreeing with this. Who is he following? He's following Rashim Gamliel. says, no, this heter of filling in the fill-in etch-a-sketch thing is only for divorce. We want to make it easy for a woman to get divorced and she's not messed up. 
because so, we don't want her to be in Aguna. If the husband's willing to write a divorce and, and you got two witnesses, even if they can't write, do it. Emancipation, no. Loan documents, no. So when Rav Meir said there are only four ways where emancipation and getting are, are similar, it was to the exclusion of this case. He was saying when it comes to the Etch-a-Sketch thing, that's only for getting, not for emancipation. Okay, now Roshim Umliel, the Gemara just wants to point out, his Lashon is a little funny. Roshim Umliel is not into doing this for emancipation or loan documents, and he says for loan documents emancipation, if they could read and write, good, and if not, not. Who mentioned reading? We're talking about someone who can't write, and never said that they can't read. So the Gemara says, well, I mean, you could assume if they can't write, then maybe they can't read, but I don't know. The Gemara says, um, who mentioned reading? So the Gemara says, this is what it was meant to say. The Brisa was actually giving two Atarim. If you can't write, they would fill it in. If you can't read, they would read it to you. And that, Rav Shem says, those leniencies of reading and writing were only extended for divorce, not for other documents. Okay. Finish up a few more minutes. The Gemara says, um, okay. The Gemara says like this, Visuleka. So there's only four ways, or three ways, depending if you hold a grammar, three or four ways that a divorce document and an emancipation document are the same. That's it. Here's the problem. Ha'ika, what about the following? Okay. You have someone who's on their deathbed. I'll tell you two cases. Someone's on the deathbed, and he says to someone, and he says, give that person $10,000, passes away. The halacha is, you give him $10,000. Okay. Same person on his deathbed says, write a document to give them $10,000, and then passes away, you don't write the document. There's no document. A document cannot be delivered on behalf of an owner after his death. It's a leniency that we extend someone on their deathbed. If they say something, we'll do it if it's just transactional, not documents. It's called ain't get lachamisa. There's no document. Document cannot be delivered after the death of the person. That's an example where a divorce and a do- emancipation are the same. Right? If someone's on the deathbed and they say, divorce my wife, and then he passes away, they don't give her a divorce. By the way, the, the marriage is over anyway. But the point is, we don't give her a divorce. And if, and if on, his, on his deathbed he says, emancipate my slave, and then he dies, you, you don't emancipate. By the way, the slave doesn't belong to him anymore. It goes to his heir. The point is, that's an example where an emancipation and divorce are the same. So why is that not making the list? So the Gemara says... I'll tell you why they didn't make the list. We're looking for things where divorce and emancipation are similar, but it's exclusive to that form. This is true by all documents. You're right. This is an example where emancipation and divorce are the same, but it's true with all documents. It's not, meaning we're looking for things where it's like special. Divorce and emancipation exclusively. This is not an exclusive divorce and emancipation. This is a document concept. If someone on their deathbed said, write a loan document and then dies, you also don't write a loan document. It's not divorce and emancipation. It's, there's no documents that are written after the person's death. That's a special halacha, so it, it doesn't make the list because we're looking for emancipation and, and, and divorce exclusively. So the Gemara says... Uh, Ravin sent the following message We have a teaching from Rabbi Danasi. If a person on his deathbed said, Write a document and then deliver that document to a certain person. And then he dies. You don't write it. Why? Because there's no document after death. Okay, so that's fine. So that's why he didn't make the list. Okay. Very, very quickly. I, I know it's getting late and I know we're tired. 
four more minutes. Mamash, four more minutes. The three things that are exclusive to divorce and emancipation. One of them was, the first one was, they both have to say, The second one was that, that you could have a, 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 a kuti sign it. And the third one is that if a guy signs it, it's possible. Those are the three things. What about lishma? They both have to be written lishma. Right? They have to be written with the people in mind. So that's, that's, that's pretty good. Why is that not on the list? So the Gemara says, Ha'ika lishma. So the Gemara says, well it, well, it depends. What was the first of the list that you have to say, Why do you have to say that? According to Rabbah, it's because lishma. So according to Rabbah, that is on the list. But according to Rav, it's not. Okay. Another question. I'll tell you another halacha. Why didn't it make the list? Um, if you write a loan document while it's attached to the ground, does it work? Yes. Yeah, loan document, yeah. If you write it when it's a leaf and then you cut it, it's fine. I don't care. But if you write a divorce or an emancipation document, no good. That's an exclusive thing. That's pretty good. That's making the list. Why is that not on the list? So the Gemara says... The answer is, this list are things that are rabbinic, not things that are biblical. Meaning, this list are only things that are exclusive to divorce and emancipation that are rabbinic concepts. Having it attached to the ground being an issue, that's a biblical issue. Because it says, That's biblical. This list is only rabbinic. Okay, that's fine. Okay, whatever. Fine. Only rabbinic laws on this list. Let me ask you a question. Uh, let me run through the list with you, and you'll tell me if everything's rabbinic. You have to say, Yes. Cannot have a kuti sign it? Yes. Can't have a guy sign it? That sounds biblical. A guy can't sign it, because he's biblically not allowed to sign it. That's, that's biblical. If you have a guy who signs a get, that's not a rabbinic issue. Eh, derisa, it's fine. It's rabbinically an issue. It's rabbinically an issue. It's not a kosher get. So the Gemara says... Wait, wait a minute. The last case, which is signed by a guy, which we said is a problem by get and 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 that's biblical. The answer is, if you remember, we had this on Daf Gimel, and that is, what is the main component of a get? Rav Meir says the main component are the signatures. And if it's signed by a guy, it's puzzled Raisa, but then you had Revelyezer. Revelyezer says, you don't need witnesses at all. All that matters is the witnesses who see it being delivered. Having non-Jewish witnesses, according to Revelyezer, is a rabbinic issue. It's we're afraid people will rely on it. But according to Revelyezer, the whole signatures on a get, both the requirement and the issues are all rabbinic. So the answer is, it does make the list. The list is only rabbinic issues. What about a non-Jewish person signing it? How is that only rabbinic? The answer is, it follows Rav Liezer, that what makes it get is not the signatures that sign it, but rather the witness who see it being delivered. The goyim who sign it, that's a rabbinic issue. The Gemara says, really it's rabbinic, and it follows Rav Liezer. So okay, last minute. We started off by saying that the Brisa says, the last one of the Brisa is that if a guy signs a get, it's puzzle. It could have been puzzle de Raisa like Rav Meir, and now we're saying no, it follows Rav Liezer, and it's puzzle de Rabbonon. Here's the problem. The follow, if we don't have the full Brisa, but you know what the next line of the Brisa is? This Brisa says that if it's signed by a guy, it's a problem, and now we're saying it's a rabbinic problem because Rav Liezer. The next line of the Brisa is. Rav Shimon Oimer Af Eluk Sherim. Rav Shimon says it's fine if a guy signs it. Why? Because Rav Shimon follows Rav Liezer, that you don't need signatures. 
Meaning, this Bryce says that if it's signed by Ego, it's an issue. You're telling me it's not Rav Meir that it's a biblical issue, it's Rav Eliezer that it's a rabbinic issue. So he's following Rav Eliezer. The next line of the Brisa is, Rav Shimon says it's fine because I follow Rav Eliezer. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. So they're both following Rav Eliezer, but this is saying it's an issue and he's saying it's not an issue. We had before when uh, there were signatures, uh, like according to Rav Eliezer, we don't want signatures, but once there are signatures... Correct, that that's exactly this point. So that's what this point is, that you don't need signatures, but if they're going to be a guy, it's a problem. But then you have the next line, is Rav Shimon says, so think about it, I'm just going to reread you the Bryce and you'll tell me this makes sense. This Bryce says, if it's signed by a guy, it's rabbinically a problem, because it follows Rav Eliezer, it's rabbinic, because it follows Rav Eliezer. Then Rav Shimon says, I think it's fine, because I follow Rav Eliezer. Okay, well, you're both following Rav Eliezer now? So what's the argument about? Like, it didn't sound like that. You're saying, he says puzzle, he says kosher, and now you're telling me they both follow Rav Eliezer. So what's the... So the answer is, it could be nayu shemus muvaki. The answer is like this, one with this. Really, everyone follows Rav Eliezer. So what's the machlokas about? This is what you made. You made a very good point. And that is, if you remember Rav Eliezer shita is, you don't need Adam at all. Right. <laughs> so... Oh, so why is the Tanakhama against it? Because he says, listen, you don't need Adam, but if you're going to have Adam, they don't, don't have a guy. Why? Because people are going to rely on them. Rav Shimon says it's fine. You want to know why? Rav Shimon says, these are not just guy. You see, there's different guy. Well, I'll pick, uh, I, 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 if I had a guyish name, oh, I'm sure Brad won't mind. Brad Martin. Brad Martin, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a Jewish name, but it, people, you know, there are names that are ambiguous, right? Then you could have a guy named Christopher. Yeah, it's a Goyesha name. Yeah, Goyesha name, no question. That's the case. The case is like this. Everyone agrees like Rav Eliezer, that you don't need Adam. The case is it's signed by Christopher and it's signed by Muhammad. These are clearly Goyesha names. The Machloikis is, the Tanakhama says, like you said, which is, you don't need Adam, but if they're going to be Adam, I don't want Goyim because people are going to rely on Goyim in other areas. Rav says it's fine. Why? Because he, he, Rav says, you think someone is going to ex- take Christopher and Muhammad are used on another document. It's so clearly ridiculous. Everyone will know it's because you don't need witnesses. So everyone agrees, Adam Asirakarti. Everyone agrees, like Revelyezi, you don't need witnesses all. The Machlaikis is when the name is so Goyish, it's not like an ambiguous Jewish name. Maybe this is Christopher Muhammad. The Machlaikis is, is it then a problem? Tanakhama says, yes, you still can't have a Goyish name. You don't need witnesses, but if they are, they have to be, they have to be okay. Shimon says, no, they're so outlandishly Goyish, no one would apply it to other areas, then it's fine. So that's the Machlaikis. All right, we'll stop here. Pick it up tomorrow.